This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. UNESCO's City of Literature program is part of a wider Creative Cities network which was launched in 2004 and is currently made up of 295 UNESCO Creative Cities globally. Members are drawn from more than 72 countries and cover seven creative fields, crafts and folk art, design, film, gastronomy, music, media arts and literature. Ukrainian city Lviv became a city of literature in 2015. It has prided itself on being open to the world, embracing the Creative Cities Network's aim to promote the social, economic and cultural development of cities in both the developed and the developing world. Today, the city and the nation face the unimaginable consequences of war. But its people are resilient and determined, as we've seen time and again through the shocking news reports that bring us a little closer to their experience. Let's explore that a little further now. I'm joined today by Bogdana Brilinska and Hanna Kriakova from Lviv UNESCO City of Literature's office. Thank you both for joining us here on Otago Access Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, of course, uh, talk about the impacts of war on your beautiful city and on your lives. But first... For anyone who has never been to your city, perhaps you could describe for us what you love about it and what makes it Ukraine's cultural capital. Bogdana? Uh, Well, Lviv is uh, one of the oldest cities in Ukraine. It was founded in 2056, and uh, we are joking that it still rains from that time here. But uh, we uh, often have the sunny weather, it's a beautiful city. It has a, a very historical central part of it, and uh, but now it's almost one million people. Even I think now in the wartime we have even more people living here. But uh, generally the population is about one million. And uh, if we are talking about the literature, we call it the city that inspires for literature. Uh, because it is, it's a city where you came to write something, you're coming to write something, not, uh, we, we don't have a lot of authors who were just, just like born here, lived here, etc. Only one, the most popular, uh, our uh, writer, Ivan Franco, uh, we have like a lot of different streets and squares named after, uh, after him. He was a great man uh, with a um, few different talents. He was a translator, he was a writer, he was a poet, uh, he was a, an editor, and he uh, even edited the first uh, Ukrainian feministic uh, um, journal, The First Wrath. And uh, he was, uh, he is so connected to the city that we have like a lot of different streets uh, and um, and even I, I think university is called, I know that university is called uh, by his name and like everything could be called by name of the Ivan Franco. Uh, but still, Lviv in general, it was a city of the multicultural and multi-language history. We had a lot, uh, we now speak even a few different languages because uh, um, here we understand Polish. We, as you can see, we speak English and to know language in Lviv is uh, generally uh, the main thing you need to uh, do because it's like, it shows that you are intellectual and that you are connected to the city and do its history also. Maybe Anne will add something, I don't know. Yeah, Anna, what does your city mean to you? Well, for me, uh, Lviv is a city of people, first of all, uh, because, uh, I don't know, I would never have found so many young, talented, inspired people as I find here in Lviv. And I think 
almost all Lvivians have this illness in ours that we love Lviv more than any other city. So I'm also have it. And in proof what Bogdana said about literature, there once was an author who came here from Germany for a couple of months. And uh, it was a woman, it still is a woman. And she said that she had never seen so many poets in one city. Like in Lviv, every third person would say that he or she is a poet. And I think that's what speaks about our city itself. And everyone seems to be a reader as well. 174 libraries in the city, is that correct? Uh, yes, in general, like the whole amount of the libraries, yes, we have. Uh, even now we have a bit more because uh, I think the last year we had uh, um, like the little cities which are close to Lviv. We joined like the uh, one administrative um, or like institution. Like we, we are now just like a bigger city became. I don't know how to explain it correctly. And now we have even more uh, libraries connected to our general network. Uh, the public cities libraries and uh, they are playing a very important uh, role in the cultural life of the city because it's like the most uh, open uh, uh, and uh, space in our city which you can not only came to come to uh, read the book but also to enjoy some uh, cultural events etc etc so um, uh, libraries and a lot of readers and uh, we have we have have also in the city the first uh, biggest literature event in the Ukraine. In Ukraine, uh, uh, called the Book Forum. Uh, it uh, last year was the twenty seventh, if I'm if I'm correct, Book Forum. Uh, and uh, so you can imagine, it's almost the same um, age as the independence of the Ukraine now. Uh, and uh, it is very important because it's a festival which is building uh, the community of uh, literacy here in in uh, in Lviv. And also, they were the one who were initiating the going for the title Lviv UNESCO City of Literature. So uh, generally, libraries uh, and all these are like the one of the most connected communities here in, in Lviv. Uh, and uh, they are just like now also working to educate and to uh, gather people and to uh, bring them together to talk about what is happening now also. It seems only natural then that Lviv should become a UNESCO city of literature. How important was that and what did it mean for you both? Um, perhaps you've been talking about it, Bogdana, you could continue. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> for me, it was like, uh, because Anne, um, maybe she she was, she is working like for the last time with it. But for me, it's like a project of generally my, uh, my life, because uh, when I started to work uh, in 2012 in the uh, Department of the Culture of the Lviv City Council, I was the one who was coordinating the application because we were applying two times. Uh, but we were applying the first time in 2013 and it was pretty much a very difficult time for Ukraine also. And uh, it was the revolution of dignity and uh, it was very hard to gather yourself and to prepare the application, but we did it. We didn't get it that time. And then we decided to apply one once more because we already had to, had it done and we had the plan and we just corrected a bit. It was a very big uh, thing for the community of the, for the literature community, because it's, uh, it, it was like, um, you know, when you're first, when you know who you are, a bit but you want to develop yourself and you just go we decided that we will do it like that that we will do the strategy to think about what better city what what should we do better in our city of literature because we already yes we knew that we have a book forum we have a lot of libraries etc but maybe they needed more support from the city maybe they needed the we need to work more with the translators because we have a very good schools of the translators here in the universities and we need to work with them more and uh, for me, it was like when you do something, and it was also a very long way because you know you you you're applying and you don't get it the first time, and then 
the next time you're just celebrating a lot and then you're thinking okay now we need to we need to do the work and then after a few years i became the head of the office uh, now we have a very uh, great team here because uh, we are now working more systematically, I should say, uh, with, a, with a lot of uh, knowledge, what should we do, uh, what shouldn't we do, and how we should talk about us as an office within the City of Literature, and where can we help our community, uh, where, and where they can do it by themselves. It's a very important thought now. and. But it's a great, um, it was a great time and it was a great uh, idea, which is working still. And now it's even more important because we can't use it to speak about Lviv and Ukraine this, these days. Maybe Anne will add something also. Yeah, like being a UNESCO city of literature is what you don't have to prove like you're in UNESCO city of literature and that's it that's enough to being a cool guy among other cities we have other cities of literature in Ukraine like Odessa and we are very proud that we have Kharkiv as a city of music now those guys would do a lot of things uh, as for me personally I was quite young when I got to get this job uh, in the city of literature office like I am the I am now the youngest worker among all the cities of literature I I think like that's what I knew about no I think there is there's yeah. a younger person sorry <laughs> there's one there's okay, so I'm like the second youngest person yes. and I was still studying at the university when I uh, fortunately get to get to know uh, the team workers and I didn't know that we've received this title before. Like in 2015, I was um, I was graduating my school, and when I when I understood that we have such a title and it means such a potential, I get the great aim in myself to promote a city of literature for those who maybe don't know yet, like uh, like the young people. I mean and uh, that's what actually we are doing now actively also and that's what have its success uh, because we have professional writers they know about the city of literature they have been to, in the process of developing the title they know how the government and all this hard stuff works but also we have a lot of young talents who are just writing their poems or writing their short stories or whatever and they don't know how to realize themselves and here we are here to help them to understand that they live in a city that gives a lot of opportunities and where they would always be supported so so i think that's what important about the city of literature for me is that we are always giving support to those who need it you uh, are you are of course um, part of a bigger worldwide family of cities connected through unesco yeah. how important have those connections been in recent months very much yeah <laughs> well uh it's like as I was ending my previous speech that uh, now it's even more important that we are uh, UNESCO Cities of Literature because we can talk not only about Lviv but we can talk about Ukraine and talk and we have like an friends who are supporting us and who are also speaking about our story worldwide and it's very very important for us now because uh, it's very scary to be in such a situation without a friend and now we are just like having this whole family asking how are you guys every time that uh, when it was something they knew that some knowing something is happening in leap like the rocket is hitting somewhere or something like that and they're just writing right away are you okay guys and asking do you uh, how do you feel uh, you may think that it's um, now not about the literature but also they were very supportive and are still supportive for our uh, writers and poets etc we are working together to support the ukrainian writers now and they are giving us the 
so many attention and uh, are helping us to help others. So it's very, very, very supportive now. And um, I think that uh, it's also, it's not, we need to understand that uh, Ukraine is working on the international level, uh, level on the different sizes. We have the Ukrainian Institute also working right now. But this is this this connection that we have between the cities of literature is pretty different. It's like uh, it's like we know each other very closely and very uh, intimate in the meaning of the literacy because we. Um, we know other each other projects. We know we were talking about the stories that we have here, the writers that we have here, about the residencies. Some of the people could already see the Lviv uh, from from the inside being here on the residency. And also we are uh, still like telling the stories. And uh, when you're telling it not to the like the general public, but to the individuals, which is working with the um with literature they are more uh, they understand more about what you are saying and now it is a very 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 important connection i think because it's we know each other and we know that when you're asking for for something and when you're explaining something you are listening with a more careful um um mind when you you are trying to understand more and this connection they it's pretty different than the diplomacy that we are doing now it's like more like talking to friends not just not just talking about generally what is happening but about the emotions i should say bogdana you have described ukraine as the nation of unbreakable poets tell us a little bit more about that um yeah that's that was the idea you know like when you are in the situation that we are like now you're thinking a lot about the history of the of, of all your country and uh, of everything that happened to your country in general for all these years and uh, it hit me one day that uh, when we are talking about the literature in ukraine we are talking about the literature which is fighting all the time because uh, in all our history we had a, a lot of great Men's and we, men and women that are were fighting with the world against uh, against a cultural like uh, um, against in generally all the time it was Russia but we we are not <laughs> told, uh, talking in it like we were always in the position of fighting for our world it sh- we should say that. And now it's more important to remember that. And also we have a lot of inspiring uh, poets uh, with uh, very, very um, interesting stories. The most important Ukrainian poet, as I was uh, saying, that video, maybe you heard it, was Taras Shevchenko, which is like a symbol for the Ukrainian literature. And he was born in the um, family which was uh, in the state of Kripatstvo. It it was the system of the slavery here on the Ukrainian territories in the middle of the 19th century. Uh, And he was bought out from this this system because he was very talented uh, in painting. But then he started to write verses and he couldn't stop afterwards. And he started to write more and more and more. And he was then uh, also condemned by the government about uh, after he uh, put it to the public this uh, poems because they were about ukraine history and they were in the ukrainian language so but he was became the symbol for our all our history and uh, then we also had a lot of different personalities. I was also talking about Vasilis Stus and his. Uh, I then, after when I got the video down, I uh, I remember that I forgot to tell the one one of the most important thing about the Vasilis Stus that he was uh, born in Donetsk, which is now the uh, territory that, that hurts the most from the invasion. And uh, he was the person who the most, like, also the symbol of the uh, 
uh, fight in the times when there was no Ukrainian um, country, like in, the, like in the meaning of the government, but uh, the Ukrainian culture and literature was fighting against uh, the suppression. And uh, he was the person who not only was fighting with the words, but he was creating the new words. It's very important to understand that he was developing the Ukrainian language and the Ukrainian poetry. And uh, also I was telling about Lesya Ukrainka, which was the one of the first uh, uh, like and the most um, significant uh, Ukrainian uh, poets, uh, women's poets, because she was also the person who was always like the first feministic uh, po 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 poet. And uh, it's by the way, it's very interesting. Sorry, I just thought about because we have in Ukraine, in Ukrainian language, we can say like a women poet with one word and man's poet with one word. And uh, I just uh, like poetka uh, it's called in, in Ukraine and uh, Ukrainian and she was poetka that was a very very uh, strong because she was sick all her t all her uh, life with the tuberculosis but still uh, working a lot still like uh, standing her ground against all the uh, all the unfairness that was happening in the culture sphere at that time also with the ukrainians because the ukraine was divided at that time and when we are learning about these poets uh, also about Ivan Franko, by the way, because he was also the person who was fighting. He was even a politician for some time, but he was the person who was very proactive. You understand that every one of us needs to be the person like that. Now we need to be inspired for what we are like to fight, to understand for what we are fighting. It's very important because we are not fighting only for to have um, like all our territory be whole. Now we are fighting to for our culture and for our heritage. And the most uh, dangerous things that is now happening, what what the uh, Russians are doing, they are just trying to destroy this heritage to make it a bit not ours but theirs, and they are. Uh, stealing it from us in a physical and intellectual way so for us to be the nation of the of the unbreakable and fighting poets is very important to understand this idea should be in our hearts and we need to 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 more uh, understand how strong our nation is now so you call on, that yeah. so you, you call yeah. on this literary history for for inspiration for strength at a time such as this um, Anna, are you uh, inspired also by more contemporary writers? What's happening in the city now? What is the response of contemporary writers and younger writers right now? Uh, well, first of all, uh, they are responding. Uh, but the situation differs because uh, inspiration is that thing that you don't know when to catch. And now we are... Uh, we are actually looking at that we we are seeing that some people can write and can write uh, really a lot, but some just cannot. Like uh, our poets and friends of ours would say that they 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 just can't write now because because they cannot because it's too much of a pressure, you know, and it's hard to to get the words in the right direction. But still, um, still they are acting. Uh, it doesn't need uh, how how to say some some uh, writers and poets are now, for example, volunteering and uh, helping other people. Uh, some writers would create a projects for other people to to write. We have a wonderful initiative that is called the Libraries of the War now for everybody who who wants to spread their thoughts about what's going on it doesn't mean that it has to be an artistic expression no but rather like a diary like a manuscript i don't know like something that you would want to express and then they would work together and publish it uh somewhere online and do a rather um, psychological group for helping those people uh 
there's also a project now that mm, it's kind of new project in collaboration with the New York Literary Festival, which is not the New York that is in the United States, but the New York that is uh, <laughs> in uh, thousand thousand Ukraine, I think. Bogdana maybe eastern eastern southern eastern. ukraine it's almost on the edge of the frontier now so yeah like we it's in a hot place now but yeah it's uh it was uh it was called um before that i don't remember the name because it's now the most famous new york in ukraine but the original name was new york because it was founded by the um immigrants which came to the sun uh, to, to to this place and uh, they decided to make a city and called it new york we have a lot of new yorks i think in in the world and one of them is in ukraine so yeah so so they've made a literary festival there for the first time last year and they had a great impact on literary community because uh, they were speaking with on the scenes they've never spoken on before and now they have a literary initiative that um, people just try to 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 express themselves and to uh, fundraise some funds uh, on the army and uh, also we have uh, we are going to have a project for young writers. We're just now working on the fundings, uh, but uh, we have our um, sustainable project, which is called Young City Readings. And it's like the first edition was in 2020 and then in 2021. And this year's edition is gonna be kind of different, but still it's going to happen. So we're gonna grab young authors and young, not in the meaning of the age, but in the meaning of they just, uh, they are newbies, they start to write. And um, they would also do something like diaries about what they are feeling now and work together with a professional writer to improve these pieces. And then it's gonna be published uh, in a common almanac for everybody, for like for every author. And what is important about Young City Readings particularly is that it doesn't have to be something about war, like about the fightings or about the occupied cities. Like it have to, it can also be something very daily. Like I cannot go to the shop today because we've had a lot of air alarms. And it's also important to express these thoughts. So like generally all of our young literature are now working with this therapy aim and idea just to for people to feel better in every way that they can. So so that's it. It's so interesting to hear that you still are able to initiate new projects and respond to what is going on. Some people on the other side of the world might assume that it's impossible to organise your work to make predictions about where you might be able to be or uh, things you might be able to achieve in your work. Bogdana, what has been the priority for your office in the last couple of months? Well, the main priority for us is to find money. <laughs> I, I will be honest with that because, uh, as you understand, when it's wartime, all the money for the culture are going to some other uh, needs that are more more uh, like needable. That yes, now and uh, we are fundraising now actively. Like we are we are looking for the grants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the project that Anna was talking about, we are planning to do with Vilnius, which is also the city of literature. And as I was saying, the, they are very supportive now for for us. And uh, two main priorities for us this year is to make this program because it's very important for us to support the young writers. And the second one is to make the, um, like to deliver the uh, UNESCO City of Literature, Literature Prize. Yes, and uh, but uh, it's uh, more difficult because we, it was the prize from the city and the whole funding was going from the city's budget. And now it's like, shut down and we need to to find the money somewhere else and we are now work, working out 
actively with the with the city council to find the partner for this year to support this award uh but still the second like this is our project that we are working with but another part is to promote the idea and to promote the story of Lviv and ukraine uh, on the international level and that's why we are sending all the projects like uh, uh, to to our cities of literature the information videos etc uh, etc et that can tell the story about leave ukraine etc and other cities also not not only about our city and uh, also we are uh, cooperating now we did the project with the heldenberg with from germany and uh, uh, about the expression of what is happening now in ukraine through the words of the our writers and poets uh, and also we, we are planning to the, the project with the tartu about the bus poetry this year and uh, about the Ukrainian uh, poetry. I think Anna wants to add something because she's smiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I would say, uh, I just want to say that uh, a wonderful city of Dinadine lately agreed uh, on a common project with the Lviv UNESCO City of Literature to show uh, short videos about Ukraine and Lviv particularly in the public spaces and libraries. I don't know when that would happen, but uh, waiting for it and looking forward and hope to get some pictures of our marvelous country in your marvelous country. Can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about perhaps what our listeners might be able to do in response to that uh, in a moment. But let's let's turn to your city again, the largest city in Western Ukraine. What role is the city generally playing now for Ukrainian citizens from all over the country? Well, uh, uh, first thought to everyone, I think, was that it would be the safest place in Ukraine to come. And because Lviv was also like a city uh, that was uh, the city that could gather all the people and they would feel protected. But as we understand now, it's not the safest place in Ukraine also. Because uh, the missiles can even reach here. And everybody was like running to the most, uh, uh, like to the to the west as they, like the far as they could. Um, it's a city which is now working with refugees, uh, but I, I don't want to call them refugees because it's our citizens, mm. which just came here because they couldn't uh, stay at their homes. Uh, because of the war and uh, we are now the city which is also gathering the cultural heritage here a lot of museums are were evacuated here a lot of uh, library libraries worker etc etc for the culture evacuation we are also the place to come um there are a lot of people like our first and the first reaction was to to make the space for these people, you know, we started to all the cultural institutions, etc., became the places where people could stay. Um, also, the educational institutions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now it's more calmer. Like uh, a lot of people found the places where to stay. Uh, our city council also built a few um, like a mobile uh, homes for them, where they can stay for a temporary uh, time uh, and. Uh, but the city now is uh, also the symbol of the staying uh, and gathering all of the people and where you can go and stay for some safe time. Uh, it's like an arc for the people who can came here and uh, feel a bit of safety now. Uh, also, it's very important that there are a lot of initiatives here which are working uh, to support people who didn't came to the Western Ukraine, uh, but are staying in the frontier or even on the occupied territories. Um, because the people uh, are, which are there, uh, they are without any funds and uh, the people are gathering funds to support the people who are stayed uh, on the territories that are in the Southern and Eastern Ukraine. Uh, it's very, uh, it's like a big hub of the culture networking. 
the people meet, they are gathering, they are talking, they are uh, talking about ideas, how to help others, how to start the projects that will help others. And uh, besides that, there are a lot of people who are now integrating into the city uh, life and uh, are looking for the help for the job because a lot of people have lost jobs uh, because they needed to move. And uh, it's like a city which is buzzing, buzzing all, all the time and uh, just living as it can live in these times. What about personally? And you can say as much or as little about this as, as you feel comfortable, but you will presumably all have friends and family that you're worried about, that have been directly impacted, who are you, you're concerned about. How are you feeling personally? Um, oh, Anna, Anna, Anna first. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, different. I can say that I feel different from a day to day. One day I would feel like everything is okay and uh, I'm living my life, like I have my life and it's kind of rich with the events, people, friends, family, etc. But the other day I would be completely and totally depressed and exhausted just because I've heard something from somewhere, like somewhere from the Eastern Ukraine. You know, it's like, What is happening now is uh, already a habit of how we live, but still everybody has our own triggers. My trigger is um, air alarms and missile attacks on my city, and nothing would trigger me would trigger me as much. So I'm I'm personally kind of calm and optimistic person. Uh, but when I hear air alarm and when I hear bomb in my city, I would go in completely hysteria. And it hasn't been bombing for two, I think, weeks now, somewhere no. around that. No, no, it's like Week? it's your uh, your time lost. It's about four days. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I don't mean air alarm. I mean bomb. Okay. Oh, you mean bomb? <laughs> yeah. It's about, I think, week and a half and. We can have somewhere around that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so we had last air alarm this uh, Sunday. Uh, (laughs) Oh, this Sunday, actually. Uh, So every time, yeah, when I hear this bombing, then for two days, I'm going completely frustrated and exhausted uh, because I've heard it. And... um, you know, it's every morning you wake up and you don't know what this day would give you. And you are trying to create somehow a plan. And what would you do if something would happen? We still have our alarm backpacks uh, in every uh, corridor, in every apartment. And I every time I need to close my window. But all of this, it's just it's just a habit now. So it doesn't bother me that much as it was. But um, on a personal way, you just feel uncertain all the time, uh, which makes you feel very, very awkward. Uh, I have my family here, all of it here. And that's what I'm lucky for because I don't have family in Eastern or in central part of Ukraine as many Lvivians do. But my personal family history is kind of complicated because um, I have my roots from Russia. And since the war started, we had to have a lot of talks about our identity, about language. Like now I was speaking Russian in my private life for a lot of years. That was the language that I was traced in, but uh, then It was the first stage of the war in 2014, and we don't have to forget about it. And it became kind of different because I understood, even though I was quite young then, I understood that this culture is not as good as it seemed to me when I was a kid. Okay, this culture, something's wrong with it. 
And I started to read some literature and I started to, to work in a city of literature with people who know a lot about the culture. And so, you know, something happened to change in me. And now um, I started to speak with my parents uh, that I was always speaking in Russian to in Ukrainian language. And on the first time they were kind of surprised and I can understand that, but now it's like, okay. But um, it's still very hard to ruin the habit that you had for 20 something years in a couple of days with a um, huge feeling of pain and understanding that the people and the culture who you were who you thought were kind to you is an uh, is a predator uh, that's hard so i have mixed feelings about what's going on uh reading news every day praying from time to time uh, but still um, saving some optimism uh, that uh, we will win of course it's not like an optimism it's like a fact we're gonna win this war and uh, everything's gonna be better than it was for our country i hope uh, because the price of the winning is so big that we cannot you know just spoil it thank you anna bogdana how are you well i probably will say a few like stories i should say like the first um uh, feeling that I had uh, this in these times, yes, when I, when it started, was the feeling of silence that I came. Like it was a mix of everything, like an anger, uh, pain, and also, but it was silent. You couldn't cry. It, you couldn't. You couldn't like even to swear. You just you were silent because you couldn't understand what is happening in the meaning as Anna said everyone like a lot of people have the connection in Ukraine to the to, to the Russian because we were our histories are connected um, but always it was a history of one country uh, trying to um, assimilate the other country and my mom is also she was a Russian speaker and, uh, like she came to leave when she was a young, young person and started to speak Ukrainian and now, but all her family is in Russian. But now she is uh, in a feeling of the, mm, not even I should say pain, but uh, uh, when you're like, don't, uh, don't want to be the part of the culture. You are ashamed of what is happening and you are just uh, feeling that everything that was uh, connected to your own inner culture is now the reason to be ashamed of. But this is the person who is now here. And also I have pretty much a same story about my friend who is now on the occupied territories. We, uh, we were like, we know each other for a long time, but we were, uh, we didn't see each other for a long time also. I had an opportunity to see him like two weeks before the war started. And uh, afterwards, when it started, I am in contact with him till now. And uh, he is now in the place where, uh, like, I will not tell because it's not safe to, to tell uh, publicly uh, who I'm <laughs> contacting with. But the story is that he is a, a Russian speaking poet. He was writing all his and also he uh, writes all his literature works he was writing in the russian language but he is speaking generally in in a uh, in a public uh, space he is speaking ukrainian and once when we after the war started we were writing to each other it wasn't a problem for all of us to understand like and to when i was speaking ukrainian he, he could write to me like i'm writing to him in ukrainian he's writing to me in russian but the thing is that uh, he just accidentally sent me the message that he sent to his Russian-speaking friend from uh, other city, and uh, he then wrote to me, sorry that I wrote this message to you in the language of the dogs. 
and for me it was it hit me that that moment that it it's the feeling that they people ukrainians which were speaking russian language uh, in the um, eastern and southern ukraine which they are feeling now for them it's like now the situation like it's it, it in imaginable it's you cannot are uh, get it with your own mind that uh people who are speaking with you the same language are thinking that they are fighting with the nazis here but they are killing the people who are speaking the same language as they they are speaking and this is was like for me it was two most uh painful feelings that i had through this through this war of course it's very horrible to feel all uh, to hear all this news because for us it's very close is the people that we know are now fighting and they could die every day. And uh, a lot of poets, by the way, and writers are also on the frontier. And uh, also I am speaking with uh, people who are also have friends who are from the occupied territory that had to run to other city because she was um, making the fight against the uh, against the uh, occupants there like the they made the demonstrations she was helping people to stay strong in their city but she had to run because uh, they are starting to hunting her it's unthinkable stories and every story of your friend who you know very well and now uh, who is on the territories that are occupied or on the frontier, you understand that uh, it's in, it's a, unthinkable. It's like, uh, I want to wake up from this damn horror dream every day, uh, but you need to, to work, you need to fight, and you need to think about other day and other things you need to do to make it happen. Uh, to make this victory that Anne and the prize that we are fighting for, I don't know what that prize will be, but I hope that it will be the whole Ukraine and with the people who are on their land with a with the freedom of speech, with a culture that could be more, could grow more after this. And uh, uh, that's the feeling that I get, get this time. So one final question for both of you. For our listeners here in Dunedin, New Zealand, who will be wondering how they can support you, support Lviv, UNESCO City of Literature, support Ukraine at this time, what would you say? And we'll go with you first, Anna. And make microphone. Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, first of all, uh, the best way to help Ukrainians now is to donate. I would say that repeatedly, day after day to everybody, but you, if you have a possibility, please donate some funds to Ukrainian army or to humanitarian aid because that's what we needed and what we will need for a long time because when the you know when the fightings like with the weapons and all that would end we still would need money and we still would need funds and if you don't have a chance to donate because it's of course uh, i understand not that easy for everybody but uh, speak about us talk about us everywhere where it's possible even the shortest message would be helpful because that's what we proved uh, with the, the power of social media and uh, the public speeches is now so important that one small message could change uh, a lot in uh, your country or in Ukraine. So yeah, and don't forget about us. Just please do not forget about us and about what we are living through here, because we do understand that everybody has its own business and you still have things to do, your own politics, etc. But hell yeah, uh, hell no, we are struggling here. We have a war, and that's a serious issue. Bogdan. 
Well, um, Anne said the most important things, but another uh, thing that I wanted to add that now, like it's it's almost 100 days of war, and uh, the one thing is which is worries every Ukrainian now is not only that uh, the world world can forget about the Ukraine which is like the fear that we have all in our hearts. We should be honest with that. That's what we're fighting with now with our office also. That's why we are doing all the all the projects we do. But the thing is, the other thing is that now uh, the Russian propaganda is uh, starting to uh, be more proactive, saying the things about this war, that it is not that uh, that kind of war that it is, that we are fighting uh, still with uh, some Nazis that we have. I am living in the city which should be in their ideology is the center of the Nazis government, as you should understand. But it is it is the most freest city in, in, in Ukraine now because we have all the languages and all the people who are, we are laughing, you, you, as you can see from, from this, but it is an and like they are fighting us with the stories they made in their head and that's why you need to we ask you to read more about ukraine to read more about ukrainian literature ukrainian culture about ukrainian history because it's very interesting i i know that because i know it very well and uh, but also it's very inspiring and I see. I think in some point, it's like this territory and our country is a phenomenon in a, a very different ways. We are the borderland, and uh, we are the the territory of the people with a very free hearts. I should say it's a way of thinking. That's what is the most scariest thought for the Russians that we are. We will be the free territory. And uh, that's why I think that what I'm asking, learn more about Ukraine and uh, find the truth about Ukraine and stay with this truth that you find. Bogdana Brilinska and Anna Kriakova from Lviv, UNESCO City of Literature's office. Thank you both for taking so much time to join us here on Otago Access Radio here in Dunedin, New Zealand. It's been a great pleasure to talk with you and to learn from you. We wish you both all the best. And of course, we wish all the people of Ukraine all the best. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.